It's great to see you, my friend. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. It's good to see you. And you know, I'm way outside my comfort zone here. So this is Are definitive you? proof that I absolutely adore you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because I'm popping your Instagram live cherry also, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never done one before. <laughs> well, you've done, you've done interviews, TV, or other things. Yeah, it's yes? not my favorite thing to do, though. Wait, also, what are we talking about here? You're on stage moderating panels of hundreds of people. We yeah, got like I, three three people tuned in right now. I suffer from severe anxiety when I do it. You do? Well, you would never be able to tell. You are incredibly natural. Hi, Deirdre. I don't know if we know who Deirdre is. Do you oh, know, is this a, she's a friend a, of yours? Yeah, she's like my half-sister. Oh, <laughs> Awesome. Hello. Okay, great. So Benjamin, we're going to get this started. Uh, this sure. is 20. Welcome to 20 and 20. This is uh, the 20 and 20 co-working edition where we're asking 20 questions in 20 ish minutes. You know, we probably go 25, 30 minutes, Benjamin, if you're okay with that. Our intention is to leave people feeling uplifted and inspired and informed. I'm Lisa Skyhane. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Primary, a conscious co-working company with two beautiful spaces in Manhattan. I'm a master networker. I'm also a corn, charitable corn cookbook author, and I'm a mother of two boys, Henry and Hawk, who are four and two and a half. In this edition of 20 and 20, during the month of June, I'm going to be connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, former operators, most importantly, co-working members themselves, um, so that we can learn how together we can weather this storm that we are there. And now that there is an even greater storm that we're going to be discussing here today also. Now, as a quick um, uh, informational at the top here, co-working has been around for over a decade as a, as a definition. Executive suites have existed for you know 30 plus years. The office space and real estate industry, like many industries, of course, has been really hit hard during this pandemic. Uh, co-working, I believe, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you on this point, Benjamin, will certainly survive and thrive as everyone, large companies, small companies, are going to want flexible terms that co-working and executive space uh, offices and businesses offer. I, of course, think that you, there's no better person to talk about this other than maybe Liz, Elam, and you. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> right? Well, who's that, Liz? Um, Jamie Russo joining me on Monday is going to be great, too. Uh, Benjamin Diet, you are the partner of Zeco Group, which is a global co-working consultancy. You're also the co-founder of CoRe, which is a co-working real estate investment fund. Uh, you're a former commercial real estate attorney, and you also ran a commercial real estate investment company for eight years in, in New York City. And, and most importantly and pertinent to this interview, you co-founded a company called Grind that had six locations? Uh, five. Five locations, um, most in New York City, though one in Chicago as well? Yeah, we had four in Manhattan and one in Chicago. Right, and you uh, were part of- 100,000 square feet of co-working. Yeah, and, and you were, were, were a part of Grind for seven years. And a fun fact about Benjamin, you're an avid sailor for I don't, 40 years. Since I was a teenager, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Trying to get those boats in the water here this summer, right? I am trying, so, hopefully soon. <laughs> good. So, Benjamin, thank you so much for being my guest. And, you know, I, I certainly, like a lot of the country here now on the, the, the tail of Blackout Tuesday yesterday have been contemplating um, what it would mean to be completely silent. And it's not my nature to be silent. Uh, what my nature is, is to lean into discussing 
important issues. And there's an incredibly important issue at hand right now in our country and, and people are protesting <coughs> against it. Um, and it's called racism. You know, you're, you're an incredibly smart guy. Uh, what do you think about what's going on in the country right now? Wow. Okay. That's a big question. A big question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, as far as I'm concerned, what happened to George Floyd was not just the result of a, a bad cop. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really the predictable consequence of a prejudice system and culture that has treated black people as if they're of lesser worth since the beginning <laughs> up till today. Um, Correct. You know, all that being said, you know, the pain and suffering of, of that's being experienced in this country right now is just heartbreaking. Um, 100,000 COVID-19 deaths, 40 million people out of work, small businesses being absolutely ground to dust. <clears throat> you know, and, and racism laid bare on top of it all. Um, this country has been deeply wounded by the recent killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Tony McDade, and, and the thousands before them. You know, in my humble opinion, there are kind of two different protests going on here that we're all looking at. <clears throat> One is about the murder of George Floyd uh, and what happened there. And the other is about persistent racial injustice. Um, much of the negative unrest that we see is rising from the fact that, you know, the people of color are still being killed by law enforcement without accountability and without much changing over the decades. And in this particular moment, there's no hope of having a dialogue around change with the, you know, current federal government. So people are frustrated. And, you know, I don't condone or support the, you know, the rioting and the looting. I think that's deflects from the conversation and is crushing. It's causing more pain. <clears throat> but I, I, I understand where it's coming from. I certainly don't condone it though yeah yeah, yeah. i i just posted uh um something of you know and and we'll touch on this also you know certainly as a, as a white person and part of why i felt it's so important to get on this this interview is because i know that on behalf of a lot of white people we're saying what can we do and so i think that the disbursement of information um, and education education is really the key here um mm -hmm. is is critical and i just put up this meme that said i'm going to paraphrase here but you know, we need to look at ourselves. And when we're saying right now, it's horrible that George Floyd died, but the pro the uh, looting and protesting must stop. We need to shift that and say, it's horrible that there's looting and protesting, but the killing of innocent black people must stop. And so it's a, it's a shift in perspective that, that has to happen. Um, but, but like you said, I think it's really challenging to know how we can make a difference because the, white power that's held at the top um it, it it feel how do we touch that how do we break into that is the well, question I, I do have to say that I, I this moment feels different it feels different than a lot of the ones that have happened before this i mean the outrage has moved outside of the communities of, of color to people who don't have to worry about dying at the hands of law enforcement you can see it in what's going on every day i mean for example yesterday the police chiefs of Seattle, Denver, and Minneapolis all marched with demonstrators, yeah. uh, you know, ignoring the federal administration's call for a violent response. 
Um, so right now it feels a little different, and that's that's a hopeful thing. We should Good. all find hope in that. Yes. Um, but maybe to answer your go back to actually trying to answer your question, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, what can you do? You know, as as a, a white person or even a person of color who's not necessarily affected by by um, so much by racism in the situation like yep. you can be empathetic to the structural and systematic racism that exists in this country and be sympathetic to the legacy of injustice experienced by people of color do what you can to advocate for humanity and justice because now is the time um, don't be afraid to don't be afraid or ashamed of the privileges that you have. Use those privileges to help others. Yes. Um, you know, the world needs more just gratitude, period. That, that's something I actually truly believe in. Um, do not replace gratitude and compassion at this moment with righteous indignation because you see some looting on TV. Yeah. <laughs> it may make you feel right, um, but it, it's not helping and it's really just going to make things worse. Yes. It's going gonna, gonna to block the change that we need. Yes, Deirdre saying exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> what, you know, can you speak about, you know, some of, maybe let me touch first on saying that um, part of the education that's been happening, I have a very dear friend, his name is Light Watkins. Uh, I, I, I'm going to continue to highlight his stories and, and some of the videos that he's been putting out. He's doing these three minute videos. And uh, one, you know, he's a fair skinned, black guy and he talked about being profiled for the first time you know as a as a young teenager in a mall uh cops coming up to him <clears throat> taking him to the back of a store and saying you know you look like some kids who robbed a, a store in the mall recently we need to search you and empty your pockets and you know and the first time he was called nigger and i, I mean he he mentioned all of these things and it only continues to highlight for me th that you know, that white privilege is not something to defend. It's something to acknowledge that it exists and to begin to bring into our consciousness and awareness the fact that the experience of black people in this country, as you said, for centuries has been different. Um, many of my investors that I closed, you know, millions of dollars of funding with last summer are likely over the age of 55. Therefore, they were born into a world where black people were not even in the voting booths and polls with them. And so it, it's the world that, that they've been born into. And so it's a systemic problem that we are issue that needs to be addressed in the country. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to myself also to, to a very dear friend of mine, one of my dearest friends committed suicide five years ago. And he is, he was a fairly dark skinned, gay black man with HIV. And he had been cheating the system by saying that he lived in his aunt's house so that he could get medical care for his HIV, Benjamin. And in, in the end, in one of his last conversations that he had with his mother, because something happened with him at work where suddenly he had become very paranoid that the, the system had caught him and that he was going to be caught and he was convinced he was going to have to go to jail. And, and he said to his mother, Mama, I cannot be a gay black man in prison. Do you know what they'll do to me? And, and that is what we're talking about right now is, is the, the, the existence 
that black people have in our country right now. And so can you speak about your your experience as a, as a dark skinned black man in New York City? I'm sure there are racial profiling and discrimination instances that you can share with us. Sure, but to be, you know, perfectly open, I, you know, I, I have not had the, 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 what everyone expects to be the traditional black experience. I came from a, a, a upper middle class family. My father was a doctor. Uh, you know, didn't want for much of my life. Mm -hmm. And I went to white private schools my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean I'm also wearing my fanciest T-shirt right now, which is kind of how I dress. And yeah, do I need to worry about what I wear when I go out? I shouldn't have to. But, um, you know, I walk into department stores and I'm followed by security. I always have been. Um, I've been pulled over for driving while black in my Mercedes Benz. <clears throat> um, but uh, yeah, I've had those experiences. The, the funniest one was, well, I don't know if it's funny. <laughs> right. but I was visiting a, a dear friend of ours uh, in Florida in the gated community that they lived in on this golf course. And I went out for a run in the morning. And basically every house in this very fancy community I ran by called police <laughs> and you know within a half a mile i'm surrounded by eight security guards and four golf carts <laughs> and, and you know let's just say a argument ensued yeah and um i i went back to my my friend's house and uh told her mother and her mother completely lost it <laughs> you know Called yeah. the security of the whole place, oh, screamed yeah. down the phone, yep. demanded that he come to her house and apologize, apologize. for being perfect in, in person, which he did. Good, <laughs> but, good. Well, I was going to ask but, you, you know, as an adult, when you when you're profiled as an adult, Benjamin, do you ever do you ever say to to them, you know, would you be stopping me if I were white? Do you ever are you vocal about it that I'm way? I'm not going to say that to an armed police officer. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely yeah. Not. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Because <laughs> as a black person, I I can't really I don't really know what their response is going to be. Yeah, it's messed up. Don't um, give them a reason. Just be polite. So. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll share with you that I was just I just had a long conversation with a, a friend of mine, and I I mean, there's a few points that I'll share here also, but. You know, we're, we're creating new signage in our co-working space right now to ensure that we are sending the message to our members as the shelters lifted in New York City that they're coming back into a safe um, work environment, obviously. And the WHO uh, put out some uh, informative signage about proper hand washing and their photographs that show how to wash your hands. And I was on a Zoom call with my black general manager, Tim, and the white guy who was helping to recreate the signage to reflect Primary's brand. And I said, guys, why are the hands white in this photo? Why are the hands white? And I said, see, this is what we're going through right now. But like, this is what's being highlighted, Benjamin, is that people who are in charge, leaders, are need to get it into their consciousness that they have to start being part of the solution. And so, you know, I said, I want a different graphic. I'd like uh, a little darker shade of skin tone. 
you know, on those hands. Because I said, Tim, is the truth is, I said, if we want to be part of the solution, I said, we would put black hands in those photos because people would notice it and it brings it into their consciousness that, oh, oh, that's right. There's an issue called racism in our country and I can be part of the solution. And I, I guess I, 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 and so that said, you know, what do you want or think that white people can be doing to contribute to the fight against racism right now in our country? Well, first of all, your sensitivity is, is wonderful and appreciated. The other way to read that is Tell me. white people don't know how to wash their hands. Yeah. Extra help. <laughs> humor. I love you for your humor. I love it. You know, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, how can, look, you gotta, people have to stop sitting on the sidelines. This is a, a persistent, horrible problem in our society. And by being silent and um, it is not going to help us. You know, when you hear a racist or sexist comment in a meeting, call it out. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you have to be an active solution to the problem. You can't be complacent with the fact that you're not a racist. And then so everything's good. Right. Just because you're not a member of the Aryan Brotherhood, that, that's not enough. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you have to, people need to get off the sidelines. And and so not being silent, but so what are, so, so tell us though, this is what people want to hear. I think is you know, like, what, what is appropriate to be doing right now? I've certainly had a couple of conversations, Benjamin, with, with several of my white friends who are saying, I don't want to contribute to the, the pain and the hurt that, that black people are going through right now. And so I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so inadvertently out of sensitivity, their silence because they're afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing. Anything to say to those people? Uh, uh, it's interesting. Um, I share my own experience. I, I've had a couple of friends, and these are good friends of mine, re white friends of mine, reach yeah. out to me during all this just to check in to, you know, to see how I'm doing. This is, yeah. this is all crazy. This is emotional. This is, you know, hurting. It's painful for the whole country. But how are you doing as my friend? And that actually has been quite helpful. Yeah. Actually, I thought, so, yeah, one of them's on this call right now. <laughs> is, that Fel is that Felicia? <laughs> uh, I don't want to embarrass her. She's probably out in your, <laughs> out in your guest house. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about some privilege. Sheesh. <laughs> I, want, I want that privilege. <laughs> but this is supposed to be about co-working. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. So... I'll come, I'll come back and touch on this then one more time at the end. Okay, we'll shift a little bit to co So let me ask you a co-working well, question, okay, I'll give my you friend. one more comment. Look, Tell me. People, I think it'll be helpful if people started to realize and act in a way where they understand that the health of everyone means the health of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. every individual person, the health yeah. of the community. And we have to start acting to make the community more healthy. Yep. <laughs> How can I be including everyone? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, ag that's, I agree. That's my final comment on it. <laughs> Men, women, all shades. Uh, yes. Yep. All, all the whole melting pot. Um, okay. Let's talk about co-working for a few minutes. Um, are you surprised to see the major corporations and uh, are issuing these statements about work from home until 2021? How do you think that it's mm. going to affect their employees and, and coworkers? 
I'm not surprised. And there are kind of two reasons why I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. One, it's in their self-interest. <laughs> right now, there's bald liability for COVID-19. If you bring everybody back to work and you do a lousy job of protecting people, somebody yep. gets sick, you're going to have to shut down again, and you're going to get sued. Yep. And there's no insurance coverage for this. It's a pandemic. No insurance coverage. The liability is terrifying. <laughs> Yep. As a lawyer, I'm saying yeah. it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. My, <laughs> um, lawyer, so. my lawyer hasn't even gotten back to me about my inquiry about whether we should be giving out liability waivers. <laughs> well, yeah. waiver, waiver doesn't protect you. I mean, really? that's why he probably hasn't gotten back now. No. You, you can't waive your rights for a future event. All it does is it provides an argument that, um, you know, you, the people involved actually knew the risk and chose to take the risk. And but it's it there is no silver bullet, okay, in that area. Uh, secondly, mm -hmm. um, yes, it, it's in their self interest, number one, because of liability, but it's also uh, change usually comes from one of two places grassroots, you know, um, insurgents, um, what people want, or it comes from large corporations. And right now, what's best for and most profitable for the large corporations is to keep their employees productive. And right now, people are terrified. Yeah. Terrified of this. They're terrified of their office. They're terrified of their desk. <clears throat> so to... Terrified of losing more, their job. Yeah. To give them more flexible work options will make them more productive and happier. And that's good for the corporations. So uh, I'm not surprised at all. No. <laughs> Right. But so what does that mean for co-working uh, companies here? You know, I, I was interviewed for uh, by BizNow uh, about the outlook for co-working companies that are sort of mom and pop size, 100,000 square feet is how much space we have in New York City. But so so not the behemoths like the WeWorks, Industrious, Convenes, you know, uh, Regis's or IWG's of the world. But, it, you know, I think that the next 16, you heard me at the top of this interview, I think that co-working will absolutely thrive. But certainly my prediction, given in particular in New York City, where we're not even out of shelter yet, people are still mandated to work uh, from home. I think the next six to 18 months are going to be incredibly difficult. I'd like to know your thoughts. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm hiding in the basement of my beach house in Long Island. So <laughs> um, but let me get my crystal ball. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I do. I look at my crystal ball all the time. Look, as you know, I was one of the first New York City co-working operators. And mm -hmm. back then, yeah. you know, co-working and community was all kind of a novelty. Yeah. Um, you know, more flexible work rules that are coming are going to be a permanent part of the conversation. This means that as we get closer to the crisis subsiding, uh, mm -hmm. the demand for flexible work options will explode. <laughs> I think co-working is going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It'll, but it's going to be different. It's not going to be the co-working that you and I grew up in. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be, you know, COVID sensitive. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's going to be a real challenge to maintain community because you and I both know co-working isn't about a desk and a chair. Yeah, it's about the community of people that get brought together and how they can help each other and. Sure. Um, support each other's businesses and be examples for each other and mm -hmm. just be other humans in a space together. <laughs> sure. 
Well, that was something that Jamie Russo, you know, the founder of the Global Workspace Association was saying on a podcast I listened to recently, she said that as a as it relates to the concern for employees of these large corporations who are now um, almost required to work from home, though, of course, many will choose that as a safety precaution as well. A lot of uh, people, though, are are suffering at home because it's hard to feel legitimate, productive, motivated, inspired professional, all of these things that you feel is a byproduct of going into a physical workspace. So um, I, I, I just, of course, am thinking about it from an operator perspective also. Um, you know, you're talking about big opportunities for operators down the road. I'd like to know what you think that the biggest opportunities are for, for operators right now. But, but of course, toggling still, how do we survive this time right now where where we're, our revenues have been impacted. Um, and you know that the bulk of, of uh, an operator's expense is pretty typically their rent. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of questions there. So what are opportunities yep. for operators right now? Um, as before COVID, the whole industry was moving more towards enterprise level clients and you know medium to large corporations um mm -hmm. I, I think that is still going to be the case because uh post covid you know big companies aren't going going to want to maintain their own expensive offices people aren't going to want to work in them like they used to and yeah. flexible workspace options are going to be their answer <clears throat> so yeah. that's where the opportunity is. I mean, gear up to service that client. Mm -hmm. and, and in a different way than we did before. You know, before it was, I want IBM to take these 90 desks in this room over here and they can work there every day. Now it's going to be like, okay, I need all these hot desk workers from IBM to come. And I, you know, instead of 90 every day, we'll have, 45 on some sort of rotating time timetable. So it's right. going to be, it's going to look different, but yeah. that's still where the bread and butter is going to end up. Um, and once again, you know, maintaining community, which is the most sticky offering that a co-working space can deliver mm -hmm. is, is going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky. Um, yeah. Um, what was your biggest learning as an operator? Oh, I just said it. community is super powerful. Never yeah. thought it. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but but we have to we have to rethink it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, if you could go back in time to a year ago today, Benjamin, is there anything you'd say to yourself? Um, or maybe um, we can I can frame toggle that around advice as a consultant to co-working companies. You know, anything that you tell your co-working operators to do differently? Well. Personally, I would have told myself to sell everything and bank the cash. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got it. You're not the first person to answer that way. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> there are a few things I like to sell right now, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. As a co-working operator, I, I don't know. That's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so it kind of doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but nobody foresaw this. No one saw this coming. Yeah, no, this is a once in a century uh, circumstance with Corona. Where are you turning for inspiration right now, other than to the water and your sailboats? I know, which is what you're doing. Oh, oh boy. Um, 
meditation, do a lot of that. Hmm. Um, but also, look, a big uh, inspiration for me is my wife. My wife has a, has a company. She's got lots of employees. Mm -hmm. And she's just fighting every day to keep her people employed, to keep the business running. She is on Zoom 10 hours a day. Wow. And it is just incredible. It must, it's just brutal. And wow. she, she has is, how many employees? She has an advertising agency? Yeah, she has 60 employees. Wow. And it's just brutal. And, and she had to let some go or furlough or? Uh, no, no, she's been able to keep going. But it, it's, it's a horrible, horrible, bloody fight. It's a really intense time to be a leader. There's no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, yeah you're toggling that line between being honest and, and inspirational. How do you marry the two, right? Because, uh, because there are some difficult facts that are the result of, of this time, right? Whether it's lost clients, um, lost, therefore lost revenue, um, the safety precautions, you know, modifications to your work space and environment. There are a lot of considerations right now. Um, Benjamin, are you ready to do a lightning round with oh, you? Oh, God. Yeah, go. <laughs> All right. Number one, rename the coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, where is he? Oh, he's, he's not here right now. I would rename it the doggy Rona virus because my dog has a full house 24 seven and he goes to the beach twice a day. He's oh, like man. in heaven. Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh. He's like coronavirus. What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep this thing around. Oh gosh. Um, define success, Benjamin. Oh boy. Um, this was a hard question. I even asked my 22-year-old daughter this one. And, uh, she, <laughs> um, I, I think success for me is having the opportunity to give 100% effort to something. Leave it all on the field because no matter what the result, you're not going to have any regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Follow your heart. Follow your heart and go forth with 110%. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, what's the what's the best advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> One of my former partners um, <laughs> once told me that if anyone comes to you needing an answer immediately, the answer should always be no. <laughs> best advice I ever got. Wow. <laughs> you know, Ooh, by I nature, like I'm a bit of a pleaser, so I always try to, you know. I like that. People what they need. And he once told me, it was like, no, if people need to push you to an answer before you've had a chance to reflect and look at the stuff, like, no, just say no. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Just say no. Um, what's a career or job that you've always wanted to try? A career job? A career or job. Oh, I've, I've right. done a lot of different stuff in my life. You know, Could be an ast ast astronaut, garbage man, you know, I mean. I've always wanted to learn how to fly a plane. I've taken some lessons, but I, it's one oh. of the things I never completed. Yep. I, I always wanted to play a flat, flat. I always wanted to drive a race car, actually. Okay. <laughs> are you an early bird or a night owl? Night owl. <laughs> what? Night owl. Uh, how, how late are you up? Until um, about one-ish. Okay. What time do you yeah. wake up? Uh, depends. Uh, not a... Now that I'm getting older, I sleep less. <laughs> That's what I hear too. Eight o'clock. Okay. Nice. I like it. Um, what's your favorite, Benjamin? What's your favorite word? My favorite word, uh, mm. fakakta. 
What does that mean? Fakak the Finnish word for I know. <laughs> what is that? That's a fakakta answer. Is that it is that, that it that means that it's effed up. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, that's an appropriate learn word uh, word to learn right now. Okay, name an inspirational leader who you kind of look to for leadership inspiration. Well, right now I'm competing with them in this time slot. Obama. Yeah. Obama, who is totally. right now. <laughs> we're both gonna we're both gonna switch over. Exactly. Okay, cocktail or beverage, Benjamin. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. The best describes the coronavirus. Oh, okay. Look, coronavirus is so crazy and just so extra that it needs a crazy drink to stand in its place. I would say the porn star martini. Which is passion fruit juice, vanilla vodka with a side shot of prosecco. Oh my God! What if Felicia has Felicia's tuning in right now? Has Benjamin ever made that beverage for you? Oh my gosh, that is loco. <laughs> okay, hottest topic during the time of Corona is toilet paper. Benjamin, do you pull over or under? We need to know. Oh, there's only one way. It has to come over the top. The, over. The coming out the back is just nuts yes um, do you change it if you find it the other yeah, way absolutely it's wrong yes it's wrong i 100 percent agree i think you should act we talked about that earlier That's be in action <laughs> be in action clean change the toilet paper i agree okay last question 2020 or 2021 benjamin which do you choose are you kidding? 2021. 2020 yeah. sucks <laughs> so far. Listen, you know, I mean, the way life's going right now, the conversation I just came out of, you know, I, I mean, my, my girlfriend said, look, I would have said 2020 a couple weeks ago. And I think today I would say 2021. You know, I mean, I think a lot of us are feeling overwhelmed in the country right now. And 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 that's why I really want to say thank you, of course, for taking the time to, to speak with me today. And to I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to tune in and listen to what you have to say here. We really touched on some uncomfortable but incredibly important points right now. Um, and I think that what I heard from you, though, is that not staying silent and getting informed is is critical. Anything else you want to highlight there as lasting words of wisdom? Uh, no, I think I think got it all in, you know, it's. It, tough times, and I, I do want to underscore that empathy and compassion is the only way we're getting through this. And, uh, you know, sticking with I'm right, everybody else is wrong is just going to make this longer and worse. Yeah. So. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much. I uh, I hope you get your boats, boats in the water. I hope you enjoy your summer. Um, you're you've become such a dear friend of mine. I really respect and admire you, and and thank you, Benjamin, for being a big fan, a big fan and supporter of Primary all these years. I know you know you have been. So yeah, like I said, I wouldn't do this for anybody else. <laughs> thank you. Sending lots of love to Shelter okay. Island. Thanks, Bye. everyone. See you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>